Hi, I'm Philip Winters, the vocalist and guitarist of Tyrant, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. chatting with Philip from Tyrant, an absolutely fantastic heavy metal band from Michigan. The guys may be young, but I think once you hear them, you'll agree. They're just as good as the legendary bands we all look up to. Now, before we get talking to Philip, I just want to remind you about a pretty cool community. It's called Waterford's Alternative Enthusiast. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, and it's a pretty cool place to meet people with similar interests in music. I've included links to it in the show notes below this episode. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
Philip, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Oh, it's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to chatting all about your music. We opened the show with Pray For The Night. It's off your album, The Lowest Level, which was released on September 30th. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so this is our sophomore release. Um, obviously, we were working with Pavement. Um, so with this album, you know, it's one thing, one of the main talking points is is that we've been, we self-produced this entire record. Um, I mean, we engineered it. Like, obviously, you can see behind me, we've got sound paneling and, and a drum set. So we we engineered it and produced it ourselves. And then Alex Para mixed and mastered it um, from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, yeah, I mean, partly the the record, we had a lot of time, you know, with with COVID and everything to really dive in and and write the songs and rewrite songs and you know just spend a lot of time making music and and this new album's a a result of that you know what I'm saying yeah yeah I get you I get you and you know was there a message with the album what were you hoping to to tell the fans with this album so it's there's not really one uh, it's not like a concept album. Um, but you know the the title has many different interpretations, and and I don't want to impose anything onto the listener. But you know, from my perspective, it it comes from a place where we were all sitting at home and just kind of feeling really down and and depressed about not being able to play shows and the uncertainty of you know everything at that point. Um, and uh, but yeah, like lyrically, we're we cover everything from, you know, the greater and lesser keys of Solomon and, you know, magical ley lines and personal experiences. So there's not one overarching message other than just heavy metal. <laughs> what better message can there be, huh? Exactly. You know, something I've noticed since listening to you guys is, you know, you're young guys, but geez, you could go toe to toe with the likes of Metallica, guys like that. You know, you like you're really on point well thanks man I, I really appreciate that we we spend a lot of time just trying to get good <laughs> it's definitely paying off what has the reaction from the fans been like since you released it surprisingly well not su necessarily surprisingly but overwhelmingly positive um you know any anytime you put out a new album or a single or a video you don't really know how people are going to respond. Mm. Um, but, you know, a lot of people seem to really be enjoying the album. And and this album has a wider reach than the, the previous stuff we've done. You know, people from Japan are, are buying the CDs in droves and, and Greece and Switzerland and obviously in the United States and Canada. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, obviously we're kind of lurking on forums and, and discussion boards, you know, where people are talking about the album and it seems mostly positive, you know, obviously there's a few people in there that are like, you know, the the guitar solos suck or the bass can't be heard, you know, like little nitpick things. But but uh, over, overall, it's it's pretty positive. I have to ask, since you mentioned it, when you're looking at forums like that and you see guys saying, you know, the so something about the solo or the bass, is it hard to hold back and not be like, you know, well, I'm actually in the band and this is, you know, 
No, because honestly, I I look forward to those comments. Um, not saying I want people to react negatively, but you know, it's it's they still heard the album and they and and they're still getting a reaction. You know what I'm saying? It, it's art. Yeah. You know, yeah. once you put it into the public domain, you know, it's no longer yours. So you look for the reactions and, um, you know, whether it's positive, negative or indifferent, you know, they still heard the album. They they interpreted the art, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes we can take those those negative comments and and uh, really try to correct them. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there's maybe there's some truth to whatever the comment is you know what i'm saying yeah yeah exactly exactly and at this point i usually like to dive into the history of my guests now you formed in 2012 in high school but just before that we'll dive back a bit deeper can you remember your very first musical memory ah uh, that's that's tough because i've been playing violin since i was four um that's that was where i started and i think i think that would probably be my earliest musical memory is, is I saw my sister playing violin and I, I just told my mom, I was like, I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I don't play the violin much anymore. Um, obviously I'm, I'm mostly doing guitar and vocals, but you know, that was one of my earliest memories is watching my, my sister play the violin and wanting to imitate that, you know? And what made you transition then from violin to to guitar? Uh, you know, I was I was a I think I was like 12 at the time, 12, 13. And, you know, you know how it is being a teenager. You're full of angst and you just want to like rock out. You know, I naturally I progressed into rock and roll and heavy metal. And uh, yeah, I just I just really was drawn to rock and roll early on, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. And, you know, then in high school, you formed band. What was that process like? You know, was it just a, a group of friends getting together to have a laugh or was this something you were taking seriously? Um, so my brother, he's also the drummer. We we had always been playing music together and and we were in like uh like a community rock group, if you will, you know, where young kids and get paired with other young kids maybe playing bass or singing and you know that's how we kind of formed the band initially you know my brother and I were always playing music and then we found people like-minded and of our age and we were like let's just start a band you know and what was uh what was it like then were you playing you know school dances stuff like that was there uh much support in school no, we didn't play any school dances because obviously we were playing stuff like Metallica and, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the heavy metal. But, uh, you know, we we used to do uh, like, I guess you could call them showcases, I guess, you know, with with other, you know, kid group rock bands. Um, but, yeah, we were always one of the favorites. And I know how vain that sounds, but, you know, we were just. <laughs> get up there and rock yeah yeah i get you i get you you know when you're performing especially in the early days how do you work on you know being a good front man or being a good band and getting that engagement from the crowd so being a good front man has something i like to think i'm a pretty decent front man um 
you know, it's, but it's, it's something I had to learn, you know, cause the, I remember the very first time stepping on stage and I was very nervous and I didn't really know how to engage. And, um, you know, but now with, with so many years under, under my belt, you know, I try to imitate the energy that I want to see from the the crowd and, and, and be commanding. You know mm. what I'm saying? You can't be timid. You can't, you know, be shy. You have to be confident, you know, guaranteed you're probably going to mess up here and there. You know, that's just the nature of, of playing music in front of a live audience, but you got to be confident and, and also back it up too. You know, you can't get up there and suck and, <laughs> and ex- expect everybody to love you. True. True. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, going through high school and stuff like that, what was the point when you, you know, kind of noticed things are starting to happen? You know, we really are that good. Um, you know, we're getting some traction. Yeah. So with that, you know, we, we made our first demo and we like burned it onto a bunch of CDs and just passed it out to like everyone in the school. And, uh, you know, a a bunch of people were like, okay, this is kind of cool. But, but going back to the negative comments thing, a a bunch of people were like, man, I don't know who the vocalist is, but you need to get a different one. And then, so I took that, I, but I, I took that and I, and I was like, okay, you know, how can I do this better? And I, I still do that, you know, um, how, how can we make it better? Um, but yeah, early on, I, we were, we spent hours and hours and hours just hand making CDs and cutting out all the artwork and, and passing it out to all of our friends in high school. Jeez. Yeah. It's, uh, I imagine it doesn't happen as much nowadays, you know, with Spotify and stuff, it's more so just look us up on Spotify or Apple music and hear our songs, you know, it's kind of like, it's after losing a bit of this magic that you wouldn't but that bands wouldn't be handing out cds and demos and all now yeah i remember i was at a metallica show one time and i I don't know i don't know if we were leaving or going in but there was a band uh i don't know if you're familiar with battle cross but they're from detroit another great heavy metal band and they were they were just standing out there slinging cds and i still have one somewhere but i was like that's so cool you know what i'm saying and uh but yeah i mean in the in 2022 nobody's really doing that if anything they're passing out like business cards with like qr codes saying hey check it out you know yeah yeah, exactly exactly and speaking of cds would it be something that you'd like to happen to have your music on a record you know the way records are coming back around now yeah so we actually are pressing some vinyl we sold it a surprising number of vinyl during the pre-order phase. Um, but actually we, we also did something which is still kind of mind boggling to me, but we're putting up cassettes tomorrow for like the one month of the album. But it's, it's so weird, you know, like cassettes are coming back. Obviously they're still very niche, right. Mm. But, but they're, but they're, you know, other bands and bigger bands just keep, you know, popping, popping up with with new cassettes and and it just makes me think of like the 80s you know when when metallica and megadeth they and exodus and you know whoever they were just trading cassettes and that's how that's how new music was discovered yeah you know the old bootleg cassettes and everything like that 
But geez, I was just thinking, you know, if someone gave me a CD, I'd be hard pushed to remember where my CD player is. I'm fairly sure I don't have like a tape player now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I sent I told the, the guys in the in the band chat the other day, I said, hey, we're doing some super limited edition cassettes. And and our bass player, Sal, he loves that like super niche underground music, you know, physical media. And then Chuck, our guitar player, he goes, who the hell has a cassette player anymore? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But then, you know, it's a good collector's item as well. You know, in 10, 20 years yeah. to have that would be pretty, uh, pretty epic. Yeah. So speaking of gigs, you mentioned you were at a Metallica gig. What gigs do you think as a concert goer have made you? Hmm. Some of my most memorable concerts, um, obviously seeing Metallica and Megadeth and stuff like that. But one that really sticks out to me was seeing Kiss for the first time. And I, we were, I, my brother and I, we were so young and so impressionable. But just standing there and and seeing those huge plumes of of fire and smoke, and you could feel it on your face. We were like, "Wow, this is cool," you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, we actually saw Kiss in 2019 and those dudes are pushing 70 early 70s and they still rock really hard for like two and a half hours and every time every time i see them i'm just like i, I you know obviously people either hate kiss or they love kiss hmm. but uh every time i see them in concert i'm just like okay that's so cool you know what i'm saying they've they've perfected the rock and roll uh persona and the music and the show and everything just a, a an amazing concert you know yeah yeah i seen them back in geez i think it's 2007 or 2008 and i was the exact same it absolutely blew my mind you know it's just it's yeah. so much more than a show it's an experience you know the entire everything that's going on with gene flying around on the on the strings <laughs> and everything like that but brings me to my next question what do you think goes into a great stage show or a great performance. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is, is, is lighting, but also, you know, I saw ghost a few years back, but they had, a they had incense going too, which, which kind of opened my mind. I was like, okay, not only is it an auditory experience, a visual experience, but it's like an, an olfactory experience, you know, the smells and, and everything just combining together in in a way that creates an atmosphere. You know, it's all about setting atmosphere and 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 matching the the mood of the music. So, um, you know, Kiss and Kiss and Ghosts are great examples of that. Um, you know, everything's everything ties into itself. You know, just setting a great atmosphere with lighting and uh, you know, like I said, even the incense I thought was a great touch. Yeah, it's not something you'd uh, you'd see at many shows now, or it's not something you'd even think if you were putting together a show. It's really thinking yeah. outside the box. They're actually another one I've seen as well, one of the the best concerts I was at. Just again, the entire stage show of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, from gigs you guys have played, you've played some pretty cool gigs and played support for some pretty cool bands. What gigs do you think have made you guys? Obviously, our first uh, show we've played, you know, like our very first show ever was pretty formative 
you know, I think we played to maybe six people. Right. But uh, one of one of my favorite show experiences was was when we opened for Diamond Head, and uh, Brian Tatler, the guitar, comes up to me after after you know I'm putting away my guitar or whatever, and uh, and he comes up to me and in his super British accent, he goes, "I really really liked your music," and I I it's so like you know, kind of trivial, but I thought it was really cool. You know, this guy's a metal legend, been around for decades and he comes up to us and he's like, okay, that was cool. You know? So, yeah. and I, and I still think about that from time to time because even, even those great metal guys, they're still pretty humble, you know? That's geez. Hearing that from someone like that though, is, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. And the point you made about, you know, those metal guys being so humble, that's something I actually hear a lot. And I'm sorry to say I'm a bit surprised about it. You know, a lot of people say that when they've worked with these massive legends that they're so nice and so humble. But you'd kind of, if you're not in that world, I suppose, you'd kind of think, you know, everyone at the top is a bit, to put it nicely, mean and selfish, you know. But obviously it's not like that at all. No, you know, uh, at least not in the the rock world, you know, these guys have spent the past 30, 40 years just grinding, you know, and and whether or not you like Dave Mustaine, the guy's, you know, he's a he's a a-hole to his bandmates, but to his fans, you know, he's super appreciative. Like even in the I, re, I read his book um, so many years ago, but he was talking about when the Internet was first a thing and he was, you know the first person on it. Well, not really, but, you know, he was on there and, you know, he was emailing all of his fans and sending letters. And, you know, these guys are not villains. They're, you know, some of them are, are bad people, but, you know, a lot of them are super appreciative of, of their fans and, and everything, you know, all the support. And it's, you know, like even Glenn Benton from Deicide, you know, he puts on this really scary persona, but I remember when we, when we opened for Deicide, you know, he was like on the phone in the back of the venue, like talking to his wife or his girlfriend or something about what what they're going to have for dinner, to, <laughs> like when they get home from tour or something, you know. I suppose it just goes to show it is a job, you know, and it is a being on stage. It is a persona, you know, behind that. They're just normal people. Yeah, I mean, it is being on stage is is very theatrical. You know what I'm saying? You're there to put on a performance. That's it. That's it. And if you had to pick one overall that you could, you know, constantly revisit that you'd say was the best time you've ever had on stage, what would it be? The best time I've um, probably one of our headlining shows in Lansing. We we did an album release show back in 2016 and it was so close to sold out. I think we were shy, like 70 people. It was like 400 some people but uh i don't know it was just so amazing all of our friends and family and our fans were there and you know we just put on a hell of a show and it was so much fun and i still think about that show uh unfortunately that venue's closed but you know i i would love to to do that again you know mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. And I always follow it up now, not to get too negative, but the worst experience you've had on stage and how did you overcome it? There have, there have definitely been some rough shows in the past. Um, 
most specifically and most recently, there was we played Michigan Metal Fest, and the forecast the week leading up to it was supposed to be, you know, like 80 degrees and sunny and all this beautiful weather. But when we get there, it's just downpouring like all day. And they they delayed our set by 45 minutes because there was like a severe thunderstorm warning. And then some dude came come comes running up to us and he goes, all right, go up and play. <laughs> and we were like, uh, okay. And so we get on stage and there's maybe an inch or two of just standing water. And, you know, there's like power strips and cables and everything. And we were all looking at each other kind of like, do we do this? Like, are we going to get electrocuted and potentially die on stage. And our bass player, Sal kind of rallied us. He's like, we're here, you know, let's our gear set up. Let's just, let's just do it. And so we did it. And it was, it was a great time, you know, but it was, it was terrifying. You know, we had a lot of reservations and, you know, obviously I think Chuck got shocked at one point or his amp was cutting out or something. So, you know, it was bad, but we made the most of it. Jeez, that's a. I'd imagine there's not a lot of bands that would actually continue on. You know, you've got a, a serious set of balls on you for getting up and actually playing in weather like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a few a few of the bands just went home, and I think a number of the bands actually couldn't play because uh, one of the mixers and like PA system was fried. You know, so you know we. We said, what's the most rock and roll thing we can do? And and we decided to just keep playing and put on the show, you know? <laughs> true, true. I'd say the fans were delighted anyway with that. Oh, yeah. They were they were so happy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, going forward, when you're in a band, you obviously have a plan of how you want your career to work out. You know, what gigs when it comes to gigs what gigs do you already have in your mind saying i want to play there i want to play there that's a i've never really thought about that um i'd really like to to be touring and i know house of blues is a is a franchise um but they just seem to to be like amazing venues and i'd like to get us to the point where we're we're consistently touring and potentially even selling out like thousand cap rooms, 2000 cap rooms, you know, really, really making a name for ourselves and, and being able to draw, you know, cause when we tour now we do like 150 cap rooms and we'll do all, we'll do well, but yeah, I'd really like, you know, obviously bigger and better shows, but um, yeah, I'd really like to play a house of blues. Cause I've heard good things. I, I heard they treat the artists really well. You know what though? You guys, I know it might be a bit off in the future, but you've got to make it over to Europe. Your music would seriously be loved over here. You know, all the festivals and everything. Oh, you'd be one of the biggest bands in Europe anyway, if you made it over here. Yeah, I'd, I'd really love to come to Europe, man. You know, it's it's hard, though, because everything's just increasing in price. And, you know, if the money's right, we'll, we'll make it over. Yeah. Which is hopefully in sometime next year. Oh, fingers crossed i know there's a lot of great metal festivals on around germany and places like that anyway yeah over in ireland we don't have as much metal festivals now it's more so pop and light rock but we get the odd you know if metallica are on a big world tour they'll, they might stop in ireland you know yeah but um one thing i love asking is when you get on stage you know you have a great show you're like a rock star 
you go home the next morning, you get up and it's back to, you know, your normal life. How do you process that? How do you deal with it? Uh, so I remember what going on our first U.S. tour, you know, we were gone for like three weeks and then we came home and we were just it was like a culture shock. You know, we we didn't know like how to reintegrate. And, you know, it it took us some time, but I guess just developing or getting back into a normal routine, you know, because when we're out on tour, you know, we don't go to bed until like two or three in the morning, you know, and that's just not that's just not yeah. feasible when we're home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I re- it's it can definitely be challenging sometimes because because I, I think I speak for all of us, but just being out on the road and touring is, is what we want to do. And when we're not doing that, we feel kind of lost and, and just kind of like waiting around for the next time we get to do that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. I get you. And not all now, but a lot of bands I speak with are a good bit older than yourselves, you know, and have years experience so it's been years since they were a young band but i'd love to hear what your pre-show and post-show rituals are you know how do you psych yourself up and then how do you wind down after a good show so for me i as the vocalist i have to do like 30 minutes of vocal warm-ups and you know stretch and open my diaphragm and drink warm tea and so you know a lot for a lot of us you know I think Chuck and, and Andrew, the guitarist and drummer, they, they kind of do the same thing. They, you know, they stretch, they warm up and, you know, they kind of get in the zone and they just want to be alone and, and focus on their thing. Like Chuck puts headphones on and just shreds for like 30 minutes. Andrew's out over there stretching and drinking water. And, you know, Sal warms up too, but Sal's also like drinking a beer, you know, socializing. Um, which I could, I could never do, you know, like I need to, to clear my headspace and focus. And then, and then after the show, that's when, you know, we really just kind of let loose, you know, and just hang out and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So will there be any, you know, if there's a book wrote about you guys in years to come or a film made, will there be any scenes in it where you're throwing TVs out the windows and trashing hotel rooms? Uh, Probably not, but there will definitely be a few scenes of of uh, drunkenly stupid antics. You know what I'm saying? We don't get crazy, mm. but uh, you know, there's definitely moments that uh, are very silly. You know? <laughs> I getcha. I getcha. <laughs> you just made me think of something. What has been the most rock and roll moment so far? uh and i i hate to admit this one but one time we were we were in our van and trailer and it was like three o'clock in the morning and i i turned down the wrong street and it was a dead end and i think like two or three of the guys were asleep in the back and andrew was awake and i was like i could probably turn around in this person's driveway and uh and so I tried to turn around and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to drive through their yard a little bit. Like it won't be an issue. You know, we'll, you know, we'll be respectful and I'll just turn around. But we got stuck in their front yard at like three o'clock in the morning. And the, 
yeah, the wheels were just kept sinking into the into the dirt. And uh, we tried taking the trailer off and everything, but we eventually had to call a tow truck. And surprising, like, I don't know if the people weren't home or whatever, but, like, nobody came out. And uh, it was just like, you know, Andrew still c- considers that the most rock and roll moment, you know, just getting, <laughs> like, two feet deep in somebody's front yard. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. Because it's one of them things, though, you know, if it's going to go wrong, it will go wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and. You know, I want to speak about Taco Bell's Feel the Beat. You know, you were included in that. What was that process like? Um, so with the Feed the Beat, we were kind of selected uh, just kind of at, at will. I mean, we submitted, but, you know, we were one of five metal bands that were selected. And um, and so they they gifted us $500 in Taco Bell gift cards which was literally a godsend when we were on tour. And, uh, you know, that's, that's their, that's their way of sponsoring music, you know, providing food for bands on the road. And it really was a big help. You know, we were able to, to, to eat for free. You know, we, we ate a ton, we ate a ton of like burritos and stuff, but, uh, you know, it was so good. It kept us fed and it it was, I love Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? And nobody else complained. It was it was free Taco Bell. <laughs> How bad? I was wondering what it was, all right, because we obviously don't have Taco Bell over here, and I had no idea what Feed the Beat was actually about. You know, you guys don't have Taco Bell in Ireland? No, no. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. I don't even think they have them in the UK or most of Europe. It's mainly just an American thing, I think. Wow. Yeah, you guys are missing out. I I love myself some Taco Bell, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, Mexican food, is it? Burritos, tacos. Yeah, it's just it's uh fast food Mexican food. You know, burritos, tacos, nachos. Yeah, yeah. I suppose the closest thing we'd probably have over here is an Irish chain called Abracababra, where they make kebabs, tacos, stuff like that. But it's kind of more, there's burgers and chips and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I bet when you started this interview, you didn't think we were going to be talking about fast food and Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So if you were to sit back in 30, 40 years time, and think to yourself, it went exactly as I wanted it to. I achieved everything. What needs to happen for you to feel like that? Uh, so that's that's like the, the curse of the artist, right? Everybody's got their, their picture-perfect vision of success. Um, but, but for me, it, it means being creatively and financially free. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to make the music I want to make and I'm going to make, and I want to, I want to make money while we're doing it. You know what I'm saying? And I want to not be bogged down by financial obligations and, you know, and not have to worry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a good way to look at it. All right. It's, um, it's all about getting paid for something that feeds your soul, really. Yeah. And would it be a case now that you want the mansion and the Lamborghini or just as long as you you could pay your bills, you know? I, I want to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not going to become the next Metallica and we're not going to make millions. 
Um, but you know, we want to be able to to be financially comfortable and and not have to worry about like if we want to take a trip, a two week trip to France. You know, any of the band members, it's it's not an issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, just just be as financially free as possible, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, we we don't expect to live extravagant lifestyles, but you know, have a nice home and 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 have enough food to eat you know that's all we can really ask for yeah yeah I'd, sometimes i think to myself the days of you know rock stars becoming multi-millionaires and living these extravagant lives is kind of gone it's kind of like an 80s 90s kind of thing the way the music industry is today well well not only that but rappers and and hip-hop musicians are the new rock stars they're living those glamorous lifestyles they're the ones with the money and and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Very true, actually. And how do you guys, you know, music nowadays, the music business, how do you guys approach getting your name out there and approach social media? You know, because it can be such like a game of roulette almost. Yeah. I mean, with social media, we just, I mean, we try to run ads and stuff, but that's kind of throwing, it's kind of like throwing money at a pit. You know, so the the only real way now to get your name out there is just to play shows and just meet people face to face because there's so many bands that are, you know, on social media and trying to advertise and get your attention. But if you can get out and meet people face to face, that's it's worth more than likes and streams and views, you know? Yeah, I get you. So you know, you mentioned earlier on during the pandemic and everything, how did you guys actually, you know, find the strength to keep going and not let the band just fade away during the pandemic? Um, we just kept writing music and I mean, this is what we want to do with our lives. So we just, we just kept going. I mean, it's as simple as that. We, we remained somewhat optimistic and, and just decided to write music. Definitely used your time wisely. So, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And what are the future plans for the rest of the year? For the rest of the year, um, I think we're going to maybe do another music video and then, uh, you know, just keep writing new music. And then next year, probably just a ton of touring as much as we can handle. Brilliant, brilliant. Glad to hear it. Hopefully I'll get to uh, somehow catch one of your shows at some stage anyway. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll get on to the last couple. If there was a band or performer from history, living or dead, you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Mm. I'd probably really like to see early Megadeth, you know, back in the 80s when they were just super pissed off and angry. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. It's one I haven't uh, had as an answer before. I often say, wouldn't it be so cool to see these bands at the gig that they were discovered at? You know, the gig that really broke them. Yeah, absolutely. The next one, then. If you could spend 24 hours locked in a room with any performer or artist from history, who would it be? Probably Prince. Right. Yeah, because he was just like an all-around great musician he heard music a certain way he he played all the instruments on on his records and i'd really just love to see 
him in the creative process, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. All right, that's a... He's one of them... He's almost like a modern-day Beethoven or something, wasn't he? He's like just this extra level of genius. Yeah, he, he really... He just knew how to compose a song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the final one, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Ah, a soundtrack to my life? Um, there's so many, there's so many songs that I think are applicable, but I'd have to go back to Kiss and go with rock and roll all night. You know what I'm saying? Good choice. Yeah, just rock and roll all night and party every day. I am Matthew Thomas, the Spirit of Super Cool Radio, and if you're looking for a great podcast that features the best independent and up-and-coming bands and artists, then check out my podcast, Super Cool Radio. Each week, I deliver fun interviews, and every Friday, I spin some killer music. You might not know some of these bands that I feature, but I guarantee you will love them. 
Check out Super Cool Radio on YouTube, Rumble, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or the streaming platform of your choice. Tune in and rock out. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.